Hello, welcome to the Wheel of Time After Time, the TV review show for fans who never read the books. This is season two, episode two, and we'll jump straight back in. We're going to talk about the White Tower. Now, a lot of uh, the first three episodes focus around action going on there. We've got Gwen, Nynaeve, uh, enrolled and magic training, I guess you'd call it. Who wants to jump in on the White Tower? Mike, go. What did you think? Um, I liked what I saw. Um, it, it did feel very much like the white tower from the books. There were a couple variations from the books that I, that, that I caught, like Shiriam is supposed to be a little bit younger and have red hair. It would be nice if we saw more than like three eyes to die. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, like, I understand why they, they kept it down. Like, yeah, so. there'd be like dozens or hundreds of there or something like that. It's not Hogwarts, is it, Sean? Is it not? Well, no, that doesn't seem to be Eight. No. <laughs> loads of pupils everywhere. Yeah, but the kids were cheap to employ for the movies. No, I, I, I think it's good. I think it's it's visually stunning. It's it's really well detailed and obviously they're keeping it, like you said, under a very few locations with a very few characters for for probably for budget reasons. I couldn't help but wonder whether there was an elevator anywhere because it's really tall and they're often very high up and then they're down at street level again. And I thought walking up and down there is going to be absolutely knackering. It must have like a magic guy, sorry, woman, obviously woman, um, who just like zaps people up and down, I'm imagining. <laughs> uh, okay, let's jump to, what should we do? Leandrin, she's coming on for me as a character in this season, you know, coming across as a little bit nefarious and multi-layered and then we had this um episode with this guy that she goes to visit her son i think we believe that's her son yes mm-hmm. it seems likely i guess given the premise that the i said i live to be very old um and she refers to him as my boy indeed i'm getting kind of highlander vibes i'm liking that what else have we got going on we've got elaine trakand Mike, maybe you could give us a little bit of background. How important is this character likely to be? How important is this character likely to be? Yeah. I could tell you exactly how important this character is likely to be. All right, a little... Okay, so Elaine, as mentioned in the show, is the daughter heir of Andor. Basically, what that means is she's the princess. Her mother is the queen of Andor. Nothing to do with Star Wars. (laughs) Andor is the country where the two uh, like the two rivers are located within andor but the two rivers are so far out on the map that they don't even realize that they're part of andor um but uh so she is basically the princess and every uh in the books in the books it's mentioned that um every princess daughter heir or son of the royalty of andor is sent to the white tower for um honorary training the the son gets trained as a warder the daughter is you know tested and trained to be an Aes Sedai it's all it's all honorary because none of them ever test out to have any potential and then they get an honorary um serpent ring and then they're sent back and it's just kind of the connection between Tarvalon and Andor that uh has existed for hundreds if not thousands of years and yet there was some talk about Elaine actually having some power i noticed in the show yeah yeah so elaine elaine comes to the tower for her um for her training and they find out oh she's actually got 
like a lot of potential. She could actually be like an Aes Sedai. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and train her. She is an important character. I'm not going to go, I'm not going to go into how important or anything that she might or might not do. Um, but, uh, I will say this, that when she showed up and I realized who she was, I wrote down, am, am I allowed to swear? Go for it. All right. When she showed up, I, 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 as soon as I realized who it was, I wrote down in my notes, this bitch, <laughs> because I hate Elaine. Oh dear! I this hate ominous. Elaine. I wasn't expecting this. I have to say, she looked like a a sweetie. <laughs> let me let me let me put you let me put you a little bit at ease. Um, but in the series, books eight, nine, and ten are what are collectively known as the slog. Because you're not selling slog- this series, you know. <laughs> somebody was thinking about reading them at some point. <laughs> if you read them, it's not as bad if you read them back to back to back as you can do now. But if you're reading them as they come out and you're waiting three years between books, it is a huge <laughs> slog. And a lot of that has to do with her plot line. And it is just I and and in the last couple of books, she just gets so completely unbearable. <laughs> and I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go into any more detail than that. But I hate Elaine. Okay, so I hate Elaine. Either annoying I, or evil, but we'll have to find out. I think that's an uh, an interesting thing because one of the things I've seen or watching people discuss this series without really knowing that much about it and and discuss the books as well is how much people seem to hate the various female characters. I see people say they hate Elaine, they hate Nynaeve, they hate Egwene, and, and I'm wondering: is this are they? the characters different in the show to the way they are in the books, or is this just people being people? Um, For me, my personal opinion is they are acting fairly true to the books. Mm. Um, Nynaeve, Nynaeve could be a little more bossy and pushy and stubborn um, because she is really bossy and pushy and stubborn in the books. Um, Egwene is pretty much how I see Egwene being. Mm. Um, and Elaine is pretty much how I remember Elaine being in the first in the first books where she shows up. Okay. Um, why do people hate the characters? Same reason people hate anybody. Just <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that some of it is, you know, guys who are like, I don't want a girl hero. And <laughs> probably some of it is why do you always have to write the women as stubborn bossy and they're not all that way and there are more facets to them in the books but Mm. Mm. you kind of get a sense that the one power even though women are supposed to be good with it that you know it almost corrupts them too what about the archers let's talk about the mega trial it was great fun i thought um it reminded me at the end when she gets stuck of that episode of Star Trek when they get stuck in the transporter pattern buffer. Mark, go. What did you think about the trials? It falls into that fantasy must-have category, doesn't it? A trial where something bad happens that nobody before has ever survived. And, um, of course, we know our heroine uh, in 
is going to be fine, but we've still got to go through the journey to see her triumphantly returning through the arch in her underwear. Um, <laughs> yeah, never mind. Um, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I, I don't really know quite what purpose it serves because we all knew she was super powerful. All of the Aes Sedai knew she was super powerful. She's gone through that experience and she looks traumatized. Her her fear was being alone. They treated fear as and they, what they say when they come out, you're washed of your sins. What, rele what relevance does that have to somebody going and facing their fears? I I don't know. Um, but I have to say, going into it, I thought, oh, this is going to be bloody awful. You know, we've seen this <laughs> a thousand times before. Um, but actually found it actually quite entertaining and it was really well done. I loved the the final arch where she was with uh, Lan and the others and they were sort of doing slight variations on their roles. And, and I, I did kind of think it was quite cool. It was an interesting because there was a there was a parallel to that, obviously, with what uh, Rand went through at the end of season one, where he was being shown this uh, mm. this thing of uh, of his life that could have been and could be. And uh, no, I, I I found it a really interesting thing because I, I agree with you on a lot of those things. It's a ver it's very much a fantasy trope, and maybe it wasn't a fantasy trope back in nineteen ninety, whatever it was that. Uh, it was written but it's become very very much a fantasy trope but it's also of course a lot of societies do have these coming of age rituals which is what it essentially is and that you have to face up to something to become a man or a woman or in this case an ice Sedai. it's almost that thing from a christmas carol isn't it when he gets visited by the ghosts or luke skywalker going into the the log facing you know the, the image of darth vader but I thought it was it was very well done, you know, and it, it could have been awful mm. um, as a sequence, but it wasn't. It was a really good sequence. It, uh, it, 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 you know, the way it addressed different aspects of her life, different aspects of her fears. And, you know, externally, you could see, oh, well, this is obvious. This is what's going to happen in this, uh, this situation. But for a character, I think it would be a very traumatizing thing. And the question, of course, is why do you have to traumatize everyone? But part of one of the fantasy, one fantasy trope of anyone training always seems to be let's traumatize them and beat them, but it's all for the good, which is a trope I'm not particularly keen on, honestly, because it's it feels like British public school. So let's traumatize everyone and all for the good. But in fact, they normally end up a complete mess. So any military training ever military, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And it's, but maybe it is part of that. It's, it's you. You become one of us. You become loyal to us because we've all gone through this, mm. this traumatic coming of age, becoming a becoming a an ice Sedai. We've all gone through this secret trauma, and now we are kind of one. So I could see a see a purpose for it from from that point of view. Let's quickly mention Matt. He's locked up in the tower. Um, the reasons are a little hazy to me. I know it's Moraine has decided he should be there. He's probably dangerous or we don't really know what maybe is important, but he seems to be in a kind of holding pattern. They just kept, they keep him in there. Tell you he's still, he's still alive and we're kind of waiting for him to, to do something, I guess. I thought this was Leandrin had somehow was doing this secretly, but maybe not. Maybe it's a, maybe everyone knows that he's, he's locked up there. 
Yeah, I didn't get the Moraine connection. I mean, I think we know why he's... The, the, they're saying he's there because they wanted to see whether he was dangerous after his running with the knife. Whether Leandrin's... And it would appear that Leandrin has got some ulterior motive to him being there and setting him loose with Min, who I think is a kind of cool character. Um, and I will say, as I said when we were discussing earlier, I really do like the new actor playing Matt. I think he's he's great, and I think he plays the part really well. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't know the difference, but I've got that, <laughs> I've got that face thing when you can't really recognise people, but no, I wouldn't have noticed. What is Matt doing? We, we don't know. He's a fun character. I think we've had to kind of, with with men who can see see the future, as it were, we've seen that he does something dark and dastardly at some point, or it looks like he does any rate. Mm. But we all know that, you know, prophecies of the future rarely come true as we, we think they will. So Min, she sees a vision of him with the Shadar Log- Logoth dagger stabbing Rand, right? That's what ah, she saw? That's what she saw. Yeah. Okay, that is, what she, that, is, that is what she saw. In the books, it is emphasized several times that if Min sees something around a person, it will happen. It happens every single time. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. So I don't know if that holds true for the television show, but in the books, it is specified not every time, but quite often that if men sees something, it will come to pass. But we don't know the the more the fuller reason and background of why things might happen the way they do. Yeah, I yeah. guess, yeah, which I mean, is that, that whole prophecy thing of uh if you think it means one thing, but maybe it means something else, and it's a yeah. I mean, that might be someone in disguise as Rand, but so I don't like that. Is not like that particular viewing is not one that comes up in the books. So where that's going, I have no idea. Mm. I think in the show, she um, I can't remember. Someone says, "Oh, even prophecies have loopholes or something like that." It's yeah, who knows what is what is going to happen. So okay. why, what is she doing there? I guess the question, how did she get there? I and mean, we don't know how Matt got in the cell, but Min was well, she's planted, a long way away, she? wasn't she, in the end, in season one? Yeah, she's set up there by Leandrin, puts her there for some reason, I think. In the books, the Aes Sedai are, she keeps it secret, because if the Aes Sedai find out about it, um, she's like, she's like, if the Aes Sedai find out that I can do this, I'm going to be locked in the tower and I will never be set free ever again. So possibly the Aes Sedai found out about it and locked her up in the tower, never to be set free again. So this is a, this is a divergence. Is it from the books? Yes. Like, like Min does go to the tower at a couple of different points. Um, but I don't, but she's not ever held against her will by the Aes Sedai. that's a wrap for this episode join us shortly and we will discuss the dragon reborn and moraine's journey bye for now